Hello, I'm Zipporah, and this is Talking Blind, where I bring a different side of blindness and a laid-back atmosphere in the areas of socialization, education, employment, children and family, assistive technology, and so much more. I hope you enjoy my up-and-coming episode. Please stay tuned. Hello everyone, this is Zipporah once again. I am so glad to be here with you today. I am so excited that um, I got a lot of response from that interview I did with the Alabama Freedom Center and a couple of great people helped remind me that I once thought about doing my episode with a co-host you know, someone to help move the show along. And when I get stuck, we can uh, work it out together. And I am so glad that I have been approached by a couple of people. And I am going to share those people with you real soon. Um, But do you remember this episode in this voice? Good evening, this is Percy W. Garrett. Well, I am glad to have you. <laughs> and I, I am certainly glad to be here. Well, that was a very fun episode. I was so happy to be able to share that moment with Mr. Percy, and I am looking forward to co-hosting some great interviews in the near future with him. I also have someone else that you guys have not heard on the podcast before, but we're going to change that real, real soon, hopefully, uh, when we co-host an interview for next month. So uh, be listening out for that. But as I got to thinking about my past interviews, you know I had to go back and listen to them, right? (laughs) And I miss those people. I totally haven't talked to a couple of them for a while, and I need to reach back and maybe bring some updates, see where everybody is, uh, especially after all the chaos with COVID. I was listening to some of them and, you know, the internet issues that we have with connecting and the fact that we had just got into uh, COVID. Nobody knew what was going on. Uh, We were at the height of everything and then we were at the calm of things. And then, as we all know, they went right back up. And so it was kind of a roller coaster ride. And For my new listeners who have not gotten a chance to get all the way back to uh, my very first season where I was doing most of my interviews, you have missed out on some great people. So I'm going to give you a little clip today and hopefully you'll get to know them a little bit and you'll go back into the archives and take a listen to the whole episode. So stay tuned.
So I will never forget my interview with Miss Tamika Williams and the interesting way she lost her sight. So I lost my vision uh, back in 2003. Um, I lost it due to an allergic reaction um, labeled as the Steven Johnson syndrome. And basically what that is, is I, um, is an allergic reaction to an, um, antibiotic. And so, um, you know, the, the reaction to the antibiotic caused, um, sloughing of the skin and deterioration, um, like of the nail beds and, and it also affects, um, your eyes and other mucus areas. Okay. All right. Now, how young were you when that happened? I actually was um, 15, 15 years old. So you can imagine that I was just getting to my teenage years, well into my teenage <laughs> years, right before my sweet 16. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it happened right before I had the opportunity to drive or anything like that. But yeah, it happened um, right at age 15. Oh, wow. Now that is, uh, like you said, that is a very uh, special year. You know, you're getting close to being 16 to drive and everything. So I know that had to kind of be traumatic. How did you handle, you know, you know, being a teenager and losing your sight and having to start basically a new life? I tell you, yes, ma'am. Having to start a new life. You said it. Um, actually, you know, in the beginning, it, it was a new thing. Um, so you know of course it it was a big adjustment phase um it was so different from the life that I had prior um as far as you know uh the friends that I hung out with even family members nobody really understood nobody really understood how to relate and it was a scary thing for all of us um I you know but I, I was I had some concerns I thought that I, you know, at that moment, I thought that I wouldn't be able to do much with my life. Um, mm -hmm. Thought everything was basically over and, you know, I was just doomed. Like, it was as simple as me not feeling like it. I, I could ever even go back to school. So, oh, wow. yeah, it, 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 was a, it, was, it was very different. Um, it was very different. But my family, even though they didn't understand blindness, they're very um upbeat and positive and things like that so um I don't think I went through a deep deep depression phase but it was a phase where things were just really different and I just had to start over and get adjusted to a new way of life now I like how you put that get adjusted to a new way of life yes. you know I, I I agree with you um uh, about you know, losing your vision and thinking, okay, I can't go back to school, but having mm -hmm. that support system behind you, it, it mm -hmm. helps you to, you know, kind of stay maintained and, and say, okay, you know what, maybe there is something out there that I can readjust and, and learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. Now, Definitely. when did you come to, you know, the point to where, okay, I'm visually impaired, I'm, you know, a teenager, you know, education is still important, you know, um, what, was you know like a turning point in your life that made you you know get those resources and learn how to readjust and start your life over honestly um I was here in a local hospital um 
with the effects of the Stephen Johnson syndrome, there were several things I still had to uh, maintain and things like that to get under control. So when I came here um, to Mobile, one in one of the local hospital staff members, um, I, I was just I just I was always the type that liked to do things, uh, crossword puzzles, trivia type things, and so I kept asking the staff member. I was bored in the hospital, <laughs> like throughout the day. They came in, they was checking everything, and you know, then I'm back to sleep. And they wake me back up, checking, uh, you know, all, <laughs> all the vitals and things like that. And so I'm like, you guys don't have anything here for me to do. Like, can I do something? Is there anything <laughs> like a puzzle? Something? But I knew that I couldn't go and pick up a regular book, a regular puzzle and do anything with it um, because it wasn't, you know, accessible, wasn't made in an accessible format. And I just it was so boring. So um, the staff member actually asked me, like, "Um, are you in school? Are you enrolled in school? And like I said, honestly, my my uh, family didn't really know what to do or how to do it either. I didn't know anybody else blind or, you know, anything like that. And so I'm like, no, I'm not in school. So how would I be able to do that? <laughs> and she's like, oh, <laughs> you can do it. Now, who could forget Anthony Stevens, the director of American Council of the Blind? Just go ahead and do that. So well, thank you for allowing me to interview you. My pleasure. So can we just start off by you kind of explaining uh, your visual impairment and how that came up, you know, how that came about? Sure. So, hi, my name is Tony Stevens and I am 40 something. Can't remember anymore. Kind of phased <laughs> together. But I, I've been visually impaired my whole life. I was born with a congenital eye condition called X-linked retinoschisis. It's a pretty rare type of, uh, you know, genetic disorder where the retinas became detached uh, after birth and left me essentially legally blind. I could see in one eye, never that well as a kid, had to sit in the front row and read magnifying glass, you know, read with magnifying glass and things like that. But then when I was 15, I had, uh, as a result of the detached retinas, a severe case of glaucoma that, that happened by the blood vessels growing through the tears in my retina that were detached and then hemorrhaged. And that that killed my right eye, which was the eye I was I was seeing out of. So when I was 15, you know, I, I'd never seen that well and had always, you know, sort of known that maybe someday, you know, I never could play sports or anything because they're always like, if you get hit in the head real hard, you're going to go blind. And But when you're a teenager, you don't think of those things. But <laughs> suddenly over the course of a week, everything turned to red and then slowly faded to black. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, uh, luckily not that there's any luck with any of this, you know, in the sense of, <laughs> on the positive side, uh, it happened a week after I finished my freshman year of high school. So I survived being a freshman oh. and, and had the summer at least to, I want to say convalesce, but I mean, you know, I spent a lot of time in and out of hospitals that summer and really just stuck in a bed. When you have eye surgery, you got to lay on your stomach and they bandage your eyes, all that, you know, all that stuff. So. And so, yeah, so when I was 15, uh, that started the whole world of being, you know, essentially totally blind. And I could see some light out of one eye, and it was actually interesting. So for eight years, it was like that. And then they were able to restore, like, a tiny slither. It's not even real usable vision to, to any great degree in, in the other eye that had mm -hmm. never really been able to use it and have seen anything. But, I mean, you know, compared to being you know, no light, what's called NLP, no light perception. It's, it's very nice. And, 
Uh, but yeah, so I, you know, when I was 15, I did the whole thing where you learn how to use a cane. It took me two years to learn Braille, kicking and screaming the whole way. <laughs> Well, you are the first person I think I've met since I've lost my sight mm -hmm. that had a period of seeing red. Yeah, well, I mean, it was uh, basically just because blood was filling up in the eye. I mean, you know, yeah, because that's um, exactly yeah, I, how it happened to me. I developed a blood yeah. clot. Yeah, and um, it, it don't feel good. At least the, the acute angle. Oh no, it was very painful. <laughs> they were trying to think: was it something else going on? So much that. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole time the eye was essentially blown up like a balloon and blood was because blood was filling into it. And of course, Tashara Cooper gave us the real deal about her challenges with assistive technology in a government environment. Because I didn't touch base on your your previous question about the technology and what that's like. So um, it has some headaches. You know, sometimes the technology that we have, such as Zoom text. Um, or JAWS doesn't always work so friendly in the environment, the network environment to which they need to operate. They don't always work as well. So there are times where there's a lot of downtime, you know, um, and having the individuals who are in those IT roles that are not really familiar with assistive technologies and or what are the implications for when you're in introducing these type of technologies into this type of environment, which is government, mm -hmm. you know, government networks, they have a whole bunch of different types of firewalls and this, the protect, you know, it's like lockdowns central, you know, and now we're introducing this in there. And when you have individuals that are not that familiar with, not only are we introducing this software into this network, but the type of software and the functionality that it has to, um, be able to perform in this environment without causing any vulnerabilities in the system. Exactly. Right. Because that's the main thing is protecting the system for any vulnerabilities. So there are features, there are parts of the software that I don't believe is operational in that environment. It's just, they maybe have stripped it, fragmented it, however, to get it to work and which causes a lot of problems. Um, always behind the curve when it comes to that, because you know, to get software on the systems, it has to go through this approval process. So I'm always several versions behind mm -hmm. in terms of Zoom text or JAWS, just because the nature of the environment, which, and, you know, where I have to use them. Um, I think it does have, and I know it has had an impact on people's openness to work with me on projects, because there's that uncertainty of not knowing, like, is Tashara going to be down? How long is she going to be down? Because I've had times I've been down for weeks, mm. not just like an hour or two or a day, you know, and sometimes that does have like an emotional strain on me. I may just get really emotional about it. It may take me a moment to pull out of that. And it's just like, why does this have to be? You know, why can't these systems work the way they need to work? Y'all knew what, what, <laughs> what y'all was hiring. You know what I'm saying? Like, you guys knew that this, you know, I was an individual with a vision impairment and that these were the, the, the hardware and software um, assistive technologies and supports that I was going to need before entering into this environment. Those things should have been investigated during the two years that I interned back to back, the six months where I was, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just kind of like those things where it's just like, you just kind of feel like, because you're not this high number, there's like me, there's another individual at my job who also has a vision impairment, works in a different 
department. And she's another person like maybe I can introduce you to her and you interview her because even like her side of the story, her coming from, you know, for her vision impairment being a thing that was a thing from like being little where me it became a thing in my puberty well, years right great. yeah pass that information um, along and, I mean, and, um, and, and just how she's like yeah and just how she's exceeded and has surpassed me in terms of gs level and pay scale you know what i mean and the environment in which she works in so you know hearing that side but yeah it's it can be hard and i know that people you just know well, they think that the, right? they think that like, the problem will go away Jason Martin shared his family history of vision impairment. Do you want you to tell my listeners a little bit about yourself, your um, eye condition, your a little bit of your visual background? Sure. Um, well, my name is Jason Martin, and I am currently the assistive technology specialist for the blind for the Alabama Department of Rehabilitation Services. Whew, it's a long, <laughs> long title. Um, essentially what I do is I help blind and visually impaired people, um, students, children, adults, uh, employees of our agency go to work and I help them get access to things that previously they wouldn't have assistance with. So that's just a tad bit of what I do. But before we get into that, you ask kind of, you know, where I'm from or, or a little bit of my background, uh, I was born with congenital cataracts. And so that's kind of just an opacity of the eye and uh, being a young kid, you know, just an infant uh, in the eighties, they removed uh, the, these opaque um, structures that formed in my lenses and one eye went wonderfully and the other eye deflated. And so mm. I, I um, so I've got great vision in one eye and terrible <laughs> vision in the other. So I, I kind of fit into both worlds and, What's strange kind of about my case is, is that's typical. Cataracts are actually one of the world's leading causes of blindness. Yes. But what's, what's crazy is that not only do I have a visual impairment, but my mother was visually impaired. So that's mm -hmm. where I got it from. My dad was actually totally blind. And, and I kind of joked with you earlier when we spoke about this uh -huh. is like, He's not just totally blind. He's big B. He, he, my dad was born without eyes and he's got a great sense of humor about it. And, and he's, he's definitely a source of my inspiration. Um, but not only that. So my grandparents <laughs> on my mother's side actually met at the Alabama School for the Blind. And I'm a native of Talladega, Alabama. So if your listeners have never heard of that place, um, go look it up. It's it's quite an amazing uh, just area. And, and a historical area in terms of, of disabilities. I, I would argue mm. that, that Talladega, Alabama has probably one of the nation's largest populations of individuals with hearing impairments and vision impairments. So that's my grandparents met there um, in 1942, if I'm not mistaken, 42 or 47. Oh, wow. that's, a big, <laughs> that's a big gap. And then my parents went, uh, my dad went there uh, starting in the 1960s and 70s. And he met my mom and they were married in the 80s. And uh, lo and behold, I came and I went through there <laughs> in about 2000. And actually, my, my son, um, he was born with congenital cataracts as well. So luckily, his surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. I don't know. It's kind of crazy uh, thinking about it. And, you know, like it, I, not only is my lineage impacted, you know, with with this cataract disease, but my cousins and uncles and aunts uh, on my mother's side, they all have a form of visual impairment. And um, 
you know, it was quite, un, quite unusual. And, and for us, you know, it was really, it, it was odd when someone didn't have it, like uh, have an aunt who has perfect vision. And, and it was like, Whoa, where'd you come from? You know? So, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, it's just different, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Beatrice Davis came to us and shared her beep ball experience. And if we're working in the outfield, we listen for the beat. So when we know, uh, where to find the ball well that sounds like a lot of listening (laughs) (laughs) it is let me tell you it really sharpens your skills um it's a good you talk about um it's a really good mobility training in a fun kind of way you know you really have to focus on using your hearing um even though i do have a little bit of vision and if you're not a total totally blind person sometimes you have a tendency to use what little eyesight you have so you don't use the other senses as well as you should but on when you're playing beat ball everyone is wearing a blindfold so you have no choice but to to use your other skills now have you ever had any um accidents out there on the field oh yeah oh yeah in fact um uh, a couple of months ago, I actually sprang my finger. I mean, it happens, but, you know, in regular sports, it happens. It's just all part of the game. And so, like, you know, okay, you're beat, the, the base is beeping, the ball is out there beeping, mm-hmm, you're, mm-hmm. you're running. I mean, it, you got two bases. And the, are the bases loaded? And have you ever ran into anybody trying to get to a base? Or oh, heavens, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, um, like I say, all the players are wearing blindfolds. The only people not wearing a blindfold is the pitcher, of course. And we have one or two spotters in the outfield. And their job is to keep us safe. So so as (laughs) doesn't always work that way. The player in the outfield, um, we're allowed to talk to each other. We know where we are. So I have to say, well, where you at? You know, Horatio, where are you? So we, we know where we are distance-wise from each other. So we just have to pay attention to, you know, who we're next to, who we're out there in the field. You know, we have to cover a certain area. And our spotters make sure that, you know, if someone's running towards us or we're not paying too much attention, they'll say stop and, you know, back up or, you know. Every now and then the spotters forget. And Takesha Saffold was our advocating bold blind beauty hello takisha thank you for joining me on talking blind how are you i'm doing well yourself i'm doing just fine Great. well <laughs> how's your weekend been going oh uh, let's see my weekend was pretty relaxing i didn't really do much of anything other than go to the gym and i went to church okay <laughs> I know a lot of people are um, getting out and about now that they kind of um, started letting people back into work and, and things like that. So, yes, I'm happy to be able to go back to the gym. <laughs> so um, just to, you know, let everybody know a little bit about yourself and um, your your projects and things that you're working on. Um, I know you're you're really passionate about your advocacy work that you do and um, your ladies group that you have. Can you um, elaborate on that and tell my listeners a little bit more about your organization? 
Um, yes. Well, currently I serve as president for the National Federation of the Blind of Palm Beach, um, which I have served as president for the last six years. Um, I have also formally served on the state board uh, for the National Federation of the Blind of Florida um, for a couple of years. Um, outside of the NFB, I do facilitate a support group for Justice Blind Girls, uh, which I have done for the last three years, and it originates from out of Atlanta, Georgia, and it's a support group to empower women who are blind and visually impaired and to uh, establish a, a sisterhood or a bond between us as a support um, in our community. So we have various guest speakers and we have done um, many social activities um, and also fundraisers to support our mission. Um, and we're hoping that we can possibly collaborate with other organizations in the future um, that is involved more so regarding women um, who are blind and visually impaired. Um, I play beat baseball, um, and I really enjoy doing that. I've been doing that for about three years, and I currently serve as the captain for the team that I play with, which is the Brown Bandits of Palm Beach County. Oh, okay, so I've interviewed uh, someone else that plays beat ball for Las Vegas. Maybe we need to get your two teams together for a little... Um... <laughs> And of course, we got Courageous with Constance Hughes. Um, since I've met you, I can tell that you are a go-getter, you know, um, just with your college background, your job history, and um, uh, your, your um, advocacy, volunteering with uh, NFB Alabama. And um, now you, you're doing... Um, coaching right yes can you tell us a little bit about that absolutely but before I get into that I will mention something that uh, kind of happened when I so my background is working in the healthcare field I worked in the hospital setting for over 10 years and I also worked in long-term care as a diet technician where I went into patients rooms and provided nutritional education um, especially for patients who had chronic or acute illnesses so I have been I went in several rooms and people didn't realize I had a vision problem because I'm just walking in talking I'm not reading anything <laughs> so uh -huh. once I mentioned to a patient who had some sight limitations as myself mm -hmm. and I mentioned to them you know I have those same challenges let me help you find some resources and they were like what do you mean you can't see you can't see you what how are you working <laughs> So it's such a myth that blind people can't get out their regular workforce and work just like anybody else. So I would like to encourage whomever is listening to this podcast, please know whatever you set your mind to, it is possible as long as in as long mm -hmm. as it's in reason, it's possible. And most things nowadays because of technology we can do just as well as anybody else so I would not yes. just oh well maybe I can't do A, B, C, D because I can't see mm -hmm. well no if that's what you want to do 
connect with someone who's maybe in that field and also someone that maybe is blind that knows about the field yes. and just get the resources. It may all just be about getting the necessary resources that will allow you to do the job. I mean, blind people are doing everything. We will be driving out there soon, potentially. Oh yeah, so with, oh with yeah. The, I mean, they got those cars right. coming and I'm, I'm in line trying to wait for mine to show so up. We are, we are doing it, <laughs> we're living our life best of our bills, just mm -hmm. like anyone else. We have to live to, <laughs> so. Exactly. And as far as my exactly. business, I started my own coaching service um, in 2020 in the midst of COVID. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so I, had, I got my certification, my first certification as a coach last May. And um, last August, I decided to go ahead and, and develop an LLC. And the name of my LLC mm -hmm. is Courageous You Coaching Services. And what I do as a coach is I help adults mainly just be able to transform their dreams into reality. And I love working with these people. I help to build their, their confidence and will, their, their, uh, their um, ability to to know that they deserve to have what they want i mean sometimes it all it only ta takes me trying to um see the things that have already hidden inside of them and help them to be able to see how they can use the things that they were built with naturally in order to get mm -hmm. those things that they want so they won't just be dreaming they'll actually be doing and so then they can be their best selves, you know, at the end of the day. And then they can reach back and help other people even more than what they are now. So that is definitely my goal. Um, I also envision. And Jane Harvey learned that the myth about blind people was not true. I was asked if I thought I could come and start a, well, they called it a glee club at the blind center, a little mm -hmm. choir. You know, I was like, Ooh, I don't know, you know, <laughs> that sounds scary to me. I, I don't even know how I would begin. And, and, you know, I, I did some praying about it and mm -hmm. the, the answer came to me, you need to go try, you know, you just, oh, just yeah. go try. So I told him I would do it and uh, went out to the blind center and, you know, you have a lot of misconceptions about blind people. I'd never really dealt that much with people with that handicap and uh you know people had told me oh be sure you don't touch them they don't like you to touch them oh wow <laughs> you know? and oh you'll be so lucky because they listen a lot better than other people do and they you know they all have perfect pitch and they, well oh that's a bunch <laughs> of crap you know <laughs> I found that out really fast <laughs> but, but I went at the blind center we we put out a call for everybody to come and audition you know the idea was to pick out a really good group of singers and of course when people come and audition you can't turn anybody down so everybody got in the choir in the beginning of course and and off we went you know but I, I, was, I was scared I I wasn't sure how to attack the situation you know uh -huh. But uh, there I was, and I had learned from Gladys, well, you, you can do it without music. So, you know, uh -huh. they can't see music. They're, they can't uh, they can't see me to follow me or get any of my energy. They can't even see me. So, you know, 
what kind of energy am I going to be able to give them? And they can't see each other. And, and uh, most of them don't do technology too well. So I can't, didn't have that option too much. You know, a, a, yeah, we tried that yeah. one. We, we definitely tried so many different techniques to give people material. Exactly. The, the one thing is your patience, I believe, was, you know, because you're, you're so in touch with your faith, your patience really shows because, I mean, there was times as a choir member, you know, I would get frustrated at some of the people in the choir yes, for not learning that. their materials, you know, <laughs> but, but, but no, you know, you would just, you know, keep on going through it and showing people over and over and finding different ways to, to teach us, you know, how to hold a note or how to move in a, a song. And it's, it is a different challenge learning how to move from one note to another without watching your hands move around and show us, oh, you know, how absolutely. to. Absolutely. You know, and have dynamics. How do you, how do you but get you did it with dynamic when they can't see you or, you know. And you accomplished all that. And, and of course, our DJ, uh, Derek Barnes. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee. With the right hand of my righteousness. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. That's good stuff right there. I like that. 19 after the hour. Thanks so much for hanging with us. More good music still on tap right here on 95 The Mix. 95 The Mix. Our prayers are with your day ahead. Thanks for listening to 95 The Mix in the morning. Here's Make Away by Natalie Grant. Started a, I started an internet radio station uh, with the help of a really good friend of mine, Jim Randolph, um, and he gave me the idea. I was thinking it was going to be this daunting task, and he actually, uh, I actually ran my own broadcast server for a short time, um, mm-hmm. which that's that's not easy because um, um, you have like what's called a static IP and um, every time you have to basically reboot the, the modem you uh, or your router you, um, you your IP uh, your IP changes and so it was really hard because I had to set up new links for everything each time I had to, you know, oh, wow. reset the modem. So um, I started using a, a broadcast server. Uh, I started mm-hmm. January 29th, uh, 2009. Um, and um, I ran that station, I ran the station as a secular station up until... Uh, May the 1st of 2017 and um, after that I I changed it to I flipped it to all Christian contemporary Christian 
and mm-hmm. if you um if if you or any of the listeners out there listen to uh have ever listened to Caleb um that's mm-hmm. kind of sort of the format that I go off of um but I I I don't just play new and up to date music like I'll go back a few years and and pull out some older stuff every once in a while um it's 24 hours, seven days a week, and I have three, uh, three different uh, programs uh, each day, and then one on Sunday. Uh, and uh, it's it's a it's a it's a great, you know, it's a it's a great thing to do. I love it. Uh, I do a two-hour live uh, program. Uh, Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Central st- Central Standard Time or Daylight Time, whatever you're on at the time. Um, they won't leave it alone. Um, and of course, Havander Davis, our male receptionist. That's something I think about when I think about my bio. So I have a... I, condition called retinitis pigmentosa so that's when the brain doesn't fully process what the eyes are seeing um i've been i was born with retinitis pigmentosa and um it was really something to grow up with because i had pretty good vision for a while and it just started decreasing and decreasing and decreasing until i got to the point where i was just seeing shadows and things like that so it really made me take consideration when I learned how to use my cane and things like that. It was something I knew I was going to need. So I made sure to get as proficient as possible with it. So, so um, since you basically grew up with uh, retinitis pigmentosa, uh, how did that affect you uh, in school, like from elementary school on to middle school? Because you did graduate from Durango uh, High School, correct? Correct, I did. And growing up, I grew up, let's just say I grew up with three sisters and my mother. And for a while, they did a lot of catering, you know, and I didn't learn much unless I was at school. And I was able to read large. So that was really easy for me to, to, to go through main school, mainstreaming in school. So I really excelled pretty good in school graduated with a 3.8 grade average grade point average so that was the easy part the the hard part was figuring out that I couldn't do most of the things that my friends were doing now that was because all my friends we ran the street and they got married and shared it here with us Viatris Davis and Havander Davis Hello once again, Beatrice and Havander Davis. Hi, Sephora. Hello. So you guys did it, huh? Yes. How do you we feel? Did. Oh, we did it. We did it. Yes. Finally. <laughs> Finally. 
Yes. Well, I know we were supposed to try to get you guys um, interview right before, but uh, because I was off my day and my time, <laughs> I miss you guys, but <laughs> I hear things went quite interesting. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, let me tell you. Sounds so like you already did, too. I was, I was ready 10 minutes early, and she was 10 minutes late. I was a little, mm-hmm. late, a little late. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what happened to me? How did you You were so excited. I would have thought you would have been there first. You know, you know me personally and you know the type of person that I am. You know how I'm very stable, calm, mm-hmm. cool, and collected. I don't know what happened. I, I don't know. I, I just reality set in you know you know what i think so you know i think i've been living the fantasy for so long that now that the moment was there i just uh, it it just felt surreal surreal you know she froze (laughs) she was about to run from the altar i almost had to go chase her down Wow. I hate I missed it. I really do. I mean, I even had technical difficulties trying to get the live version on Facebook. I was, by the time I, it came around, I lost my signal out here on the road. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> well, Let me tell you something. We, so during the ceremony, and I know you didn't probably catch on to all this. But she was so nervous and jittery through the whole thing. I almost was like, do you sure you want to do this? And then (laughs) once she finally got to the point where she was okay, she tried to take my finger off, put my ring on. And there's no better way than to learn Braille with Christina Palmer. You know, Meet the Blind Month and White Cane Safety and all the other good things to highlight blind and visually impaired people. I just knew that I needed to share some of the things that you're doing since you've lost your sight, um, especially around the Braille and the online things. So can you, you know, give a little background about your your vision loss and what led you into uh, the things that you're doing with uh, your Braille? Um, Well, I have retinitis pigmentosis. And uh, they found that when I was eight years old, and it's short for RP, mm-hmm. and they corrected it. I had 2071-2080 in the okay. right, and they corrected it all, all, all the way up until I was about 16, you know, graduating school, I was 16. Mm-hmm. And then 35, I went to the Center for the Blind in Louisville. McDowell Center for the Blind and Louisville and got my all my training I needed and went there five five and a half months first time four months the second had to have cataract surgery in between and now I'm back home uh, I teach people over the phone with braille Um, Mm -hmm. I want to be a braille instructor I'm going back to school to be that get my bachelor's and then my master's and then my online three Facebook groups, um, International Betty Gale Hope, 
which is the main group, and then mm-hmm. Christina's keyboard for technology, and then hands on leaves because I love the garden. I do gardening oh. in the and Christopher Mustarka, one of the three people that we interviewed from the Alabama Freedom Center. I am fully blind. Um, I actually lost my sight when I was attending training at the Alabama Freedom Center for the Blind. A gentleman in Orlando who didn't really know what he was doing with his cane accidentally hit me in my eye and took the rest of my vision. So I wanted to teach people how to use the cane right. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Now, that is a way to get into your journey. Um, (laughs) Not quite a fun way, but um, very I was educational way. <laughs> yeah, I was at a training center for blind training. So really, uh-huh. I was like, I mean, <laughs> couldn't pick a better place to go blind at. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, and how many years ago have that been? That was 2018. 2018, wow. And I graduated here, moved to Louisiana to do training to become a teacher Moved out to New Mexico, taught for better part of a year, moved back here after Corona. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Well, hmm. you have a lot of experience not only using it, um, but teaching it. That's that's amazing. Um, before we get deep into you guys' story, uh, let my um, listeners know about the Freedom Center, what it is, and where it's located. Okay. The Alabama Freedom Center for the Blind is part of the Alabama Institute for Deaf and Blind. It is one of the nation's few centers that offer the structured discovery model of teaching. Well, I know that was a lot today, and um, I just couldn't pick one or two, so I shared uh, quite a few. And if you hung on this long, then you are a superstar, and I'm glad you did. And I hope you come back and check us out again next week and listen out for some of those interesting interviews to come. Once again, I am Zipporah. I hope you've had a fabulous weekend and enjoy the rest of your week and your Memorial Day and all to come. Bye-bye. Thank you.